0: May I ask you, what is it about your home that you cherish the most? What do you like about home the most? The people there? Being able to lay on the couch and watch a movie or a TV show or a game? What do you like most about your home? That you invested in it, that you decorated how you wanted? What is about your home that you cherish the most? Is it your familiarity? Is it a place you go where you can avoid the stress of life? What's about your home that you cherish the most? I like these sayings about homes. Home is where you hang your what? Yeah, a place where you go after a long day's work and you put your hat up. That is your home, a place that you reside. Uh, I believe Robert Frost said this, the great poet, Home is a place when no one else wants you, they will what? Always take you in. So I think parents, if you have children in your 20s and 30s, you can sort of relate to that, right? Right? My kids lived away for a few years, and I they live back in our... Never mind, okay? the back in our basement. But seriously, I think all of us, even if our parents are living, we all know that if we need to, we can return home. There's always a bed for us. And there's always a play at the supper table. And there's always a place for us to sit and to be heard. When I make hospital calls, people say, I just can't get any rest, Pastor. I always say, you go to the hospital to get what? If you want to go, you have to go home to get What? Yeah, I'm up in the hours of the night. There's someone in taking blood and poking me and doing this and that. Well, the hospital's about getting better. Home is a place where you rest. Uh, there's a young homeless boy at the, in 2008 when the housing market crashed. and They lost their home, and someone says, how's it feel to not have a home? And somebody says, well, we have a home. We just don't have a house so what? I think the little boy understood it, the blessing of home. And finally, arguably... The most famous and heartwarming statements about home came from Dorothy. There's no place like what? There truly is no place at home. Home is a place familiar to us. We can rest, we can be who we are, and we feel safe and secure. The great poet Robert Louis Stevenson wrote a touching poem, Whither Must I Wander?" And it's even a very classical song. And he laments about the home where he grew up in is no longer there. Can I ask you? Do you still live in a home that you grew up? Who lives in the home in which you reside? Or maybe the home in which you reside is no longer there. When I ride in the country, whether in Defiance, Henry, or Paulding County, I go down a county road, and once in a while I'll come to a very large home, maybe 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, and its roof is gone, and the windows are shattered, and I think maybe the foundation's good, and I think about the families and the love that was there. Here, listen to some excerpts from Robert Lewis's poem. Stevenson's poem. Home no more, home to me, whither must I wander? Hunger my drive, where I go, where I must. Cold blows the winter wind over hill and heather. Thick drives the rain, and my roof is in the dust. Dear days of old, with the faces of firelight, Kind folks of old, you come again no more. Home was home then, my dear, full of kindly faces. Home was home then, my dear, happy for the child. Lone now stands the house, and the chimney stone is cold. Lone, and let it stand. Now the friends are all departed. Fair the day shine, as it shown in my childhood. Fair shine the day on the house with the open door. But I go forever and come again no more. Stevenson laments the home in which he grew up. In the home where there was great family gatherings and friends, it is no more. Can you relate to that? My parents still live in the home in which I grew up. How much longer, I don't know. I still drive by my grandparents' home. And I go by there and remember as a small boy playing there, and now strangers live there. Home has a very pe- special place for us. The Herring story, Follow the River, is about an Irish gal, Mary Draper Ingalls, and she grows up in colonial America. And due to the Native Americans despising the British, her and her two boys are captured and taken slaves by the Native Americans. And it believed that she used to live in modern day West Virginia, And she's taken all the way to modern day Cincinnati, but she made her goal to always get home. And so she memorized in her mind the cliffs, the rocks, the streams, the woods, in case she'd ever be be able to get back home. And when the Native American chief sold her two boys into slavery apart from her, she said, now's the time for me to escape. And she picked her mind over how to get from there, modern day Cincinnati, back to modern-day Charleston through October, November, and December, and the winter cold. It's a harrowing story, and she finally gets home. The blessing of being home. So our Lord and Savior says this, The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. His ministry is one of dedication and burden, so much so he says, listen, I don't even have a bed of my own. I travel, and I do ministry, and I have no place to lay my head. I have no home. So you and I, believers in Jesus Christ, we realize that we have a house, an earthly house, and we also realize that this body is our earthly home. It's a place where our soul and our spirit rest. And you and I, believers in Jesus, we live in the constant tension of the now and not yet. Read that verse with me. As long as we are at home in this body, we are away from the Lord. We, believers in Jesus, know... That this body that we live in is one one day going to be no longer functioning and will be with our Lord in heaven. We live in that tension, the tension of the earthly body now and the hope of heaven and the new resurrected body to come. It's a reality of now. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. We live in the body that constantly is falling apart in a world which seems to be decaying around us. We live in the now you see the picture? As a young girl matures and ages, do you feel like that? You know the best way to tell time? Look where? In the mirror. And our body that used to function well no longer functions. This muscle strains. This hurts here. I need to have surgery over this. The now for all of us is every day that passes. Our bodies just don't seem to be what they used to be. We live in the reality of now. We lose the tension that one day this earthly body that you and I live in will be destroyed. Psychologists say that most people realize they will not die until they hit the age 40. Before the age of 40, we see life as nothing but an unending ocean of days and weeks. When we come to 40, we come to say, yes, I'm going to die one day. And the older we get, the closer we realize we get to the end gate. The turnpike's going to end one day. St. Paul in Romans says this, my body of death, this body of death. The older we get, things fall apart more. More concern needs to be given just to keep things up. Doctor visits become more important. Numbers matter all the more. Wise King Solomon, who went from faith into unbelief back into faith, says this, what is life? It's 80 years, then we die. This body of death, President James Madison, do you know who I speak of? He was on his deathbed. Have you ever been anyone on their deathbed? And a dear friend came and said, President Madison, how are you doing today? He was on his deathbed. He says, I myself am doing quite well, sir. Thank you, how are you? I'm doing quite well, but I'm afraid that the building in which I inhabit's not doing so well. The roof is dilapidated. The foundations are shaken. The walls are falling in. The porch is destroyed. And I myself am afraid that I'm going to have to vacate this building that I live in. But don't fret. For awaits for me is a perfect and new body given to me again by my creator. James Madison understood perfectly the reality of now. That one day our bodies will fail and yet we'll be in heaven. So we groan in this life. The despair of this world that constantly is falling apart on our own bodies. But then you and I, we live in the reality that not yet. Can you all read that with me? Therefore, we are confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. So you and I can be confident. That one day when we depart this earthly home, our body, our earthly homes, this life, we will be with our Lord forever. We will be with our Lord forever. We have the joy of everlasting life. Reminds me of the old couple that got to heaven. And they were walking around and looking at the beauty of it. And the wife said to the husband, said, Honey, if I knew how nice it was here, we, could give up, we should have given up eating bran and prune juice many years ago. You and I, we walk by faith, not by sight. For us believers, there's a new body and a new home for us in heaven. See, many people think that heaven is just going to be a little better version of life on earth. Yeah, heaven's nothing more but a continuation of life on earth. And maybe it'll be a little better. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. Because a proper view of heaven is what is mortal be swallowed up by life. There will be no death or disease or decay in heaven. We will have new and glorious bodies. So hence we always say, I believe in the resurrection of the dead. There is nothing more sad for me as a pastor to hear this. And let this ring home true for all of you. How sad it is when someone says so-and-so died and they're now an angel in heaven. Nothing could be further than the truth. No one becomes an angel in heaven. Angels are God's own special creation. They're ministering spirits for those who are called by God to minister to us. We believers will have new and resurrected bodies just like our Lord and Savior. And finally, our Lord says this, In my Father's house are many rooms. There's many rooms there. Jesus wants us to know there's many rooms. He doesn't talk about how extravagant or opulent or how glorious or how wealthy those rooms are he says there's many of them because i'm preparing them for many people that is the mission of our church that others may know that there are rooms available for them in heaven that's the reality of the not yet our real hope is a new home in heaven now i've come to the realization have you come to the realization that no matter how hard i try there's not going to be a perfect earth perfect earth for us I've come to the realization, no matter how hard I work, there's not going to be a perfect church. There's not perfect people and perfect pastors. I've come to the realization that no matter how hard we work, there's always going to be trouble on earth. But by God's grace, we come to the realization that heaven's going to be perfect. Heaven's going to be wonderful. Heaven's going to be the glory of God. That's our hope. A new body in heaven. Eternal life for the Lord and Savior. We walk by faith, not by what? Sight. Um, Food for the poor. What is food for the poor? Well, food for the poor is sort of a unique gathering of Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod pastors and churches, United Methodist churches and pastors, and Roman Catholic churches and pastors. It seems like a unique mixture. But food for the poor is really a gathering, sort of a unique gathering of those three groups of people it's not so much about doctrine, but Food for the Poor dumps billions of dollars into the Caribbean. And we build homes, and we build wells, and we build schools for millions of people in the Caribbean who live life in poverty. Now, in my previous church, they came about once every year. I've only been senior pastor here for about six months and we're dealing with COVID. But We can pretty much guarantee that within the next year, there'll be a Missouri Synod pastor from Food for the Poor come talk to us. Now, they talk about us helping people with homes in the Caribbean. Do you know what that's about? Now, Food for the Poor shares this statistic. Let's see if you can guess. One out of two people on this planet would prefer to live in your what? My what? Your what? Not your basement. Not your house. Your garage. Well, out of two people on this planet prefer to live in your garage. Why? Because my garage is more stable, it's more weather resistant from the shacks that 50% of the people, like about 4 billion people live on this planet. 4 billion people live on this planet in cardboard boxes and shanty towns with rugs and mats as walls and floors. While only 2 people in this planet would prefer to live in our garage. Now my garage is pretty messy, it's always filled with stuff. Someone in a previous message came up to me and they, they met someone, a foreign exchange student, they found America an odd place. Why is that? Well in America you have houses for your car. Think about how opulent that is, how wealthy that is. You even have houses for your what? Car. One out of every two people on this planet would love to move into our garage. It's far better than what they live in. So they have hope for a new home you ever hear of 3D printing? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, there, there's school districts that now have 3D printing. Uh, there's a fear there that 3D printing might take over manufacturing. What's 3D printing? I take a picture of something and I put it in a machine and the machine will then print it into a 3D. So you have a little picture of a fish, you put it in there, the 3D printer analyze it and it'll spit out a 3D fish, whether in plastic or metal, whatever, whatever you use. Uh, People have fear of it. They're even working on replicating human organs. If I put the right material in, I can replicate through STEM technology a human organ. Now, 3D printers are beginning to make sections of houses. That house you're looking there, it's a $10,000 house. For us who have garages that houses our cars, for people around the world, think of a blessing that is. There's a real hope for people who live in towns and cardboard boxes and once, once was a refrigerator to live in a house. That's the type of hope, friends, you and I have about heaven. We're going to leave this body of death, this world of decay, and we'll have new bodies with our Lord and Savior in heaven. Can you read that with me? Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. We know that. One day this body's going to be gone. I have an eternal heaven. So what do we do in the meantime? What about the meantime? Make it your goal to please God. Live your life to please God. Not to please yourself, but to please God. And then here comes the really astounding verse. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account. Huh. Let me ask, you ready to give an account before God face to face? Pastor Muse, what have you done with your life that served me? What about you? What have you done in your life to serve God? What do you do with all the stuff I blessed you with? You, is anybody here ready to talk to God about that face to face? Is that a conversation we might be looking forward to? Well, God, you know, I had a lot of time on my hand, but, but I really was sort of busy with other stuff. Or, well, God, you know, I needed things for myself. Do we really want to give an account to God for what we did? Now, thanks be to God, we're saved by grace through faith. I think what God is telling us is, live your life as if I'm going to ask you to be accountable. You can give a decent answer. Live your life in that way. A life of faithfulness. Give an account of it. I personally know this from my own personal experience. If I knew I had a teacher that didn't care how I did, I always gave them less what? Effort doesn't really matter much to me, I'm not going to get an A anyways. If I knew I had a teacher that expected a lot, guess what? I worked harder. If I knew I had a coach who really didn't care, doesn't matter much to me. But if I knew I had a coach who expected a lot, there's a lot of accountability, guess what I did? I worked much harder. What Paul is saying is, since we have that great gift of faith, live your life as if you're going to be held accountable for every day and every dollar. Live it that way. Be faithful. Be ready to give an account. So friends in Christ, we have earthly homes. We have earthly bodies. We look forward to that day of a heavenly home and a heavenly body by Christ our Lord. So how about this for a closing thought? Can you read it with me? I'm but a stranger here. Heaven is my home. Earth is a desert drear. Heaven is my home. Danger and sorrow stand. Round me in every hand. Heaven is my fatherland. Heaven is my home. For us, waiting the joy of heavenly homes, all God's people say, Amen. Amen.